Hi everyone, I'm Tatiana Antonelli and you're listening to Forward Talks, a podcast by Gumbuk on moving towards sustainability. This week we celebrated World Energy Day and when we talk about energy, one of the major considerations is that of transportation. Our day-to-day needs, going to work, dropping our kids to school or running off to a social gathering, especially in a city like Dubai, is heavily reliant on cars, which needs to be balanced against the cost of the environment. And although there is a growing attention on electric vehicles, or EVs for short, a lot of countries do not yet have sufficient charging infrastructure. Their costs may be getting lower yearly, but are still quite prohibitive for most people. In fact, a Reuters report expects that out of 16.8 million vehicles, which will be sold in 2026, only 7.6% are expected to be electric or hybrid vehicles. Although that number is far better at only 1.2% of total cars sold today. And so we're talking to a company that is looking to tackle this issue of awareness and help improve adoption of EVs through people and community initiatives in Dubai, EVERA or EVERA, which stands for Electric Vehicles for Environmental Regenerative Action. Here's Kyle Weber, their founder. It started as a community initiative, really. It was me being without a job, stuck in Dubai, not with my family, and just feeling like, okay, there needs to be something that's more community-driven because there's so much good that can happen when you uh, empower the community to t- kind of like take take charge of something. And I thought, there's a lot of people here that really care about sustainability but feel trapped like they're not able to um, adopt everything in their life that will give them that sort of satisfaction and meet those needs Uh, and one of the things biggest things I feel like in the UAE is always like transportation how do we get around everyone who I talk to always says well you can't live here without a car and uh, and so okay maybe there's a way that we can you know adopt a more sustainable mode of transportation So yeah, so we started talking about EVs with people and looking at what was going on, um, speaking to the manufacturers, talking to the government. And when you see the whole picture, then you're able to see where the gaps, right? And what uh, are the opportunities? So we were always asked the same three questions by people who uh, wanted to know about EVs. How far does it go? Like, what is the range? Uh, Where do I charge it? (laughs) And how much does it cost? So these were the... first three questions that we started to address. Um, And as things grew, again, it was a social movement, um, which still to some extent that is kind of in our DNA. Um, It was, we started talking to more people and then people would ask us to give talks and then um, to give them advice and to uh, (laughs) try to, you know, there was like these opportunities kept sort of coming along and that was how things grew into what it's at now. So what it is today? What is Ivera? If we had to break it down, we do three main things. This is Salman Hussein, Ivera's managing partner. We are an engineering company, so we give a lot of solutions to gaps that we can address through sustainable mobility. And an example of that would be uh, the solar off-grid container that we're doing. We have a container that we have out in Jadaf near our office, which has solar panels connected to it. And using a battery storage system, we're able to use it totally off the grid to charge an EV. So when you're driving an EV, you can be con- you can be sure 
that it is 100% renewable energy. And similar similar solutions to this, yeah. Kyle mentioned earlier that we were talking about um, cost being a very important thing. See, the UAE is a landscape where there are no income taxes. So it's a benefit for everybody here. But this also means that the government is limited in what they can give out. Other countries, they have incentives for electric vehicles. We don't. So what we've done is we are trying to help people who want to adopt a cheaper EV by giving them a service of bringing it in from a country that has it for a cheaper price. Maybe it's slightly used, or a couple of years old. The depreciation on that vehicle is just so that it, if brought into this country, it'll, it'll be a brilliant price point for people that want them. So that's a couple of the engineering projects we do. The other thing that we do is we consult uh, OEMs. We consult. We work very closely with OEMs who want to bring a car, uh, an electric car, a PHEV, to the market. We help them try to figure out where they can market it best, work within our community to increase uptake, at least initially, of their car. Um, and we also consult any other entities who want to go green. So let's say if a company wants to go have a fleet of EVs, then we can help them suggest what's the best products on the market out there, how they can make that work within the ecosystem. Let's say they're a de delivery company and they need to know how their routes are going to work out, and we can help them with that. And the third thing we do is, I, th I think as Kyle mentioned, it's one of our core spines, uh, backbone of what we do, is, um, is community awareness, where we engage with our community to have events, to have awareness to the public about how great these are, what's so good about them, uh, what might not be as good, and if it's suitable for your lifestyle. Because EVs come in out every single day. You know, In the UAE, more, more and more new models are coming in. And there's some point of time where you will have to think about not whether you want to buy an EV, but which one you'll have to buy, you know? So which is helping people make that switch earlier. True. I saw that you had an event recently, and uh, one of the cars was a very cute uh, Fiat Cinquecento. And apparently he had a lot of success. And um, so I was in another event showing the video you sent me, saying, look how pretty is this car, how funky and modern, but it's an EV. And everyone was very happy about it. But immediately I had the family people saying, yes, but, you know, you can't fit my whole family in that car. <laughs> and what is needed in the UAE is big cars. And, and unfortunately, big EVs coming up are all luxury cars. Now we've heard about Porsche coming with a new SUV, and apparently Range Rover will have also the SUV. But not everyone can think about having an EV and having to spend so much. Where does the middle ground comes here? Are we going to see big EVs, but not like luxury? Well, there's a, there's a number of things, I guess, uh, that occur to me when you when answering this question. So one thing that Sal mentioned is that a secondhand electric vehicle um, is actually a really great purchase that most people don't know about because uh, usually you buy your cars new and you want to make sure that it's got it's had a good ownership experience uh, before you received it. But the nice thing about an EV is there's very little maintenance, so there's no moving parts. It, you know, you've got one or two moving parts actually. There's there's not an engine that has all these complex uh, components that sort of uh, can go wrong. And, and if you buy a luxury car, normally buying a luxury car means you have a lot of maintenance that you need to do with that car, especially if it's older. But nowadays, uh, even a luxury car, uh, if it's an EV doesn't have much that needs to be done, uh, which is great. Uh, eventually 
down the road, you may need to replace the battery at some point, uh, quite a long way down the road, actually. But even a car that's been um, had its battery kind of a bit older, a bit less range, um, still works just fine. I mean, one of the cars that we've been using for a long time is uh, it, it's it's a five year old car that sat out in the sun for many years. Uh, <laughs> so the battery is only about 65 percent what it initially was. But it works great for just buzzing around town. I mean, yeah, you can't take it very far, but it's okay. Give us a bit of numbers when you say you can't take it very okay, far. So that what one, does that mean? That specific car goes about 80 kilometers only, which is, okay, for most people's commute, is probably more than enough uh, if you're considering your daily commute. But even the older cars, like the 500E, the range is around 120 kilometers. Uh, the newer cars now have much longer range. So... Uh, the Chevy Bolt that uh, Salman uh, owns, and I'm actually driving a Bolt as well. Um, those go, you know, you can get to Abu Dhabi and back, no problem. With one charge? Yeah. Abu Dhabi and back? Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, it's quite good. And what is the cost? Uh, yeah, so this is the thing, is now you've got, you've got new cars that uh, cost quite a good amount. The, the new Chevy Bolt costs 160,000 dirhams. But um, the, the one from last year, if there's any older models available still in the dealer lots, uh, you can get a pretty good deal, around 120. Um, the Renault Zoe is new, it's around 130. Uh, but a few years old, it's, um, y you can find the older models that are around 80 right now, 80,000. So again, there's, people don't quite, I would say, understand uh, how the depreciation works right now, which is why a secondhand EV is quite undervalued at the moment. If you find one in the market, you usually you can get a great deal um, versus like a normal petrol vehicle. Why would people switch? So the one, the cars that you find secondhand, why is that? Because they need a bigger EV or because... Yeah, so there aren't many uh, secondhand EVs on the market now, which is why we're importing from abroad. Okay. Um, but the ones that we have seen, uh, some people, maybe they, maybe they don't like to charge the car at home. I'm not sure. Maybe they live in an apartment building. Um, Sal and I both live in apartment buildings, but we have no problem because we charge at work or in the public stations. Um, and so there are opportunities. Uh, but when you're talking about the size, I think that was your original question. Uh, yeah, to be efficient, you want to carry around as little weight as possible. So having a really big car, unless you actually need that amount of space, uh, goes against the efficiency, which means you'll have less range. Uh, so there are cars that do have a lot of space. The Tesla Model X, there's older versions now, which, again, are coming down in price a bit. Um, it's something that we could import if there was a reason to. There are some models in the in, in UK and the US that have done very well that don't cost a lot. And they are PHEVs, plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. They are hybrids in the sense that they have a gasoline engine, but they also have a plug. So they'll do a certain amount of uh, distance purely as an EV. And then beyond that, they'll work as a hybrid car, which is great because, you know, um, there, are, there are these cars that, that end up running for two months, six months without ever filling up the gasoline tankers. You go home, you plug it in. You know, and uh, and you get what thirty to fifty kilometers. So it's not a lot, but remember, you know, your average commute is not a lot, and a lot of the SUVs have had uh, a lot of um, success going this way. In fact, we have the Porsche Cayenne Hybrid uh, sold here in the UAE. That is a plug-in electric vehicle, right? And uh, like you said, big EV, it works out. 
it checks the box there it checks the sustainability box as well in us there's the a minivan called the chrysler pacifica that's pretty popular and in the uk they have a mitsubishi outlander again an suv plenty of space very popular so these models uh, you know they've they've experienced some success here and surely if those oems decide to bring them here they're going to have uh, an equal amount of success at the beginning you said um that in other countries you get subsidies which is which is true you get financing to buy green cars um what are the advantages here because if i remember well you don't pay parking you don't uh, pay the salic that is waived and apparently you can also charge for free in the malls right so you plug in and that's for free um you also said Kyle that you live in a, an apartment block that uh, it's not a problem because then you just go at work yeah. and you plug mm -hmm. your car i imagine that's for free as well yeah so this is kind of a subsidy because if i go back to europe that doesn't happen right <laughs> i'll have to pay for it yeah. um my next question would be If I am in an apartment block and I, near my work, I can't plug my car. If I want to install a charging station, what do I need to do? Is this something I need permission from the developer? I pay for the station, but will I pay also for the electricity? Or because the government here is trying to facilitate EV, that plug will be for free? How does that work? So actually, this is a great question, and it's one that we get quite often, so much so that we actually have developed our flagship project, which uh, is called Inertia, right? So Inertia is a way for um, anyone, uh, be it a building owner or a person's home or any really place to install a charger and then be able to not only know what's going on with that charger, but also to uh, be able to recoup some of that investment. Because again, if you, if you install a charger, that's money out of your pocket. Uh, now you're paying also for electricity, right? If you're the building owner. <laughs> so, um, so how do you recover this? Uh, that's why we came up with this platform. Um, so you'd pay, uh, basically it would be a subscription service for any EV owner that wants to be able to pre-book stations. So if I'm going to Mall of Emirates, and I want to essentially make sure that there's going to be a station there for me, um, I could use this app, which we're going to be launching next year, actually. It would come out of a subscription amount that I pay on a monthly basis, and uh, would, which would allow me to charge wherever I want, as much as I want. Um, but each of the individual owners will now get a, a certain ROI from that. So over the course of two to three years, we expect that they would be able to fully pay off any installation costs and, and then actually start to make money. And I also saw that uh, you're not only launching this app soon, but earlier when we met, I asked you, where is the nearest station to our office? And you immediately took out a map. So is it a map that you guys um, produced? Uh, is it available? How can people have access to this information? So the... Uh... The mapping data that we did was actually a commercial data set that we keep for entities that want to use it, and we lease out that data. So it has obviously a lot more detail than just the location and the, and the station because we plug in into every single station all across, measure the output, make sure it's working. 
um, and we take out attributes of access, whether it's accessible, whether it costs something to access. So it sometimes is in a paid parking. It's a commercial data set. But of course, we have it. Uh, we also want to incorporate it into our inertia app. Again, because being community-based, we have this sort of moral dilemma of do we sell this data or do we offer it for free to anyone who wants to use it, right? Because again, we're early days in the EV uh, sector. So... Um, so we want to be able to encourage this and have other, uh, be inclusive of other people that want to join. So what we have done is as we've gone around to each station, as Sal mentioned, um, we've updated uh, where we can PlugShare, which is PlugShare is an open source app that anyone can download. Um, but we've updated all of the photos and everything in PlugShare. So if, you, if anyone uh, is on there, every single station, they'll see our vehicle that was plugged in and like and yeah so 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 we've tried to again uh, provide this information to users uh so that they can use it and given the current existing uh i guess apps that are out there but also yeah uh next year we'll have a much better uh and it's free for anyone to use so uh if if they want to just use inertia to um find a station this is fine anyone can do that we're currently in the process of raising Two million U.S. dollars for our inertia platform. Um, it's kind of early stage, still a little bit. I mean, we've built this platform and we've done some beta testing, and um, we're continually doing this. But uh, but yeah, if there are any investors that are interested, uh, more than happy to have a conversation or a coffee because it's it's something that is really close to our hearts, uh, being EV owners and uh, <laughs> EV drivers. Um, so we know the difficulties faced when you can't find a charging station. Um, that's why we want to help out <laughs> the people that are in the same situation. There's another thing that I would um, love you to talk about. Um, and this is also because I would love to participate. I know that you organize trips around the UAE with EV. Yeah. So if I have an EV, I can join with my own car, but if I don't, you can actually help me rent one. Uh, we, we provide all the cars. Okay. So you don't even have to rent. Okay, <laughs> yeah. really? Yeah. That's amazing. You see, yeah. you're, you're, you're selling <laughs> yourself to <laughs> You should rent me the car. <laughs> so how does that work? You organize it, how often? Where do you go with the cars? So we've done six so far. Uh, five of them have been within the UAE and one of them was to Oman. Actually, next month we're, we're driving all the way to Riyadh in Saudi wow. <laughs> for the Formula E race, which is happening on the 22nd and 23rd of November. So we'll be leaving on the 19th and then returning on the 26th. Amazing. Yeah, it's going to be a crazy and only EVs with one plug-in hybrid, as Sal mentioned, uh, support vehicle. And we're still in the process of this. Actually, you're the first one that we're publicly announcing this Great. to. Because <laughs> we're still in the process of finding who are the type of people that would be interested in something like this. It's a more than a thousand kilometers drive between Dubai and Riyadh. And then again, on the way back, right? So 2,000 kilometers total. But yeah, so the, the ones that we've done in the past were much shorter. We did uh, routes around the Northern Emirates. We did through Abu Dhabi. Um, the one to um, uh, Muscat was a bit longer, but uh, yeah, we usually, the way we've done these in the past is we'll find sponsors, um, find participants. We try to keep the costs reasonable. So again, in the past, we the ones we did were all 
the participants paid under a thousand dirhams and everything was included for the whole weekend, a thousand per person. And it was like hotels, activities, food, cars, everything. Yeah. But again, that was trying to like get um, some traction because it was hard as a startup, I guess, and not having the, the media sort of push behind us to, uh, to really raise that awareness. Um, but now going forward, we're hoping that, uh, um, we can get bigger sponsors, bigger, um, more participants, more media exposure, and then these things can be more regular. Uh, so it's kind of a chicken or egg situation. But what about the car, uh, the brand? So you're using their cars, you're promoting their, you know, uh, technologies, and I'm sure you do these trips with different types of cars, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so this is also a very interesting um, experiment for people to try. You're basically selling these cars for yeah, <laughs> more or less. People. Well, the challenge is that again. So as a startup, um, we do a lot of things, and a lot of things happen at the last minute. To work with big entities, you have to give them a lot of time to uh, plan and budget, and so you can't really show up and say. Next month, we'd like you to give us a bunch of money to do this. You know, <laughs> it doesn't work out that way. They're usually able to give cars on a short term basis, depending on which car it is and how short of term we're talking. But um, but to get sponsorship, to get funding that takes, you know, uh, you have to announce it a year in advance. So this one with Riyadh, um, it's more of a test. And then for the next year, Riyadh trip, which could be really big and really cool. So that's kind of the, the, the way we're uh, figuring this out, I would say. So this is a test to, to see the route, uh, where, you where you find recharge stations and all that. Do you know already if you will have those recharge stations? We have a good idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's always some uncertainty, you know, if we haven't done a trip before to a certain location. But we always, we usually do one kind of... Um, Uh, test drive beforehand, <laughs> but because Riyadh's so far, it requires visas and all this stuff. And with Formula E happening next month, we thought this is perfect opportunity. We have to do it. The interesting thing about EVs is that the petrol station essentially for the EV is everywhere because the grid is electricity and the car runs on electricity. So, uh, there are, if you are buying an EV, there are especially now so many solutions for you to actually carry the charger with you. So the I, for example, in my car have a mobile unit that just charges my anywhere I can find a socket. Um, so this could be a three pin plug, which is, you know, in our office right here or uh, an industrial plug, which will provide more power and will be able to charge my car faster. Um, any of these power sources is fine. I've plugged in anywhere from a three pin plug to industrial plugs into my uh, car and it's worked out fine of course it don't takes tell a me long. you use a UB, usb might take a month to charge i didn't know you could use um, a normal three three pin plugs that's that's interesting it's pretty common in europe although um it's not the best way to go because the batteries really shouldn't be charged so ideally they recommend that you use it in case of emergency So if I travel and come to, to Rasachema with yeah. you and we decide to be nine cars, yeah. uh, what happens with the, the charging station? That's why my question about oh, timing. Let's no, say sorry, we are yeah. nine cars. I get to the charging station. It's one charging station, right? Yeah. So 
<laughs> How can I charge nine cars? How long does it take? So the thing is the charging is split into two types. I was actually at Vertex yesterday explaining this. Um, it's There's AC and there's DC. When you normally charging off a three-pin plug or anything up to the stations that you normally see in the malls, that's an AC charge. You see the boxes are usually small because they only need safety electronics. It'll take an average mid-ranged car uh, about eight to nine hours to charge. So the reason that it's, it is that way is because usually you, you, you use an AC charge when you get home, you plug in, and then you go to sleep. Um, cars famously tend to not be used about 90 to 95% of the time because when you go to work, you use the car, and then you go back home, you use the car. And this is a great opportunity to charge, which is why AC charging works out. However, there's another aspect to charging, DC charging. And this is where, when you're taking a long trip, DC charging really helps out. And this is where now the barriers are being pushed. So if you go to the petrol stations now, you'll see this big green box, um, especially at the Adnock and Enoch petrol stations. Those have the electronics built in to charge the car much faster. And those can deliver a full charge in less than an hour. And less than an hour compared yes, to nine hour. hours. That's right, yeah. And, and in fact, while we have such a good service let's say and it's for free in dubai in europe um, while it's paid they go up about seven times faster now in so you can charge the same 200 kilometers i think now in 15 minutes on the latest charges they have in europe and this is really great for long distance trips when you want to go and you want to continue your uh, trip you know uh, your long distance trip you just sit down have a cup of coffee you get 200 kilometers you're good to go again that's amazing 15 minutes for 200 kilometers. That's right, yeah. <laughs> wow. This is exactly what will make people change idea. I was also, I saw this morning an article about the price of batteries going terribly down, which would mean more production of EV cars. So what about these batteries? Because we, we, we hear a lot about it, right? The mining of the materials for these batteries. Yeah. The mining is a, it's it's a, it's a sensitive issue right because you know there are a lot of materials that we use even in our mobile phones this is all mined uh, it all it all matters because at the end of the day the amount of lithium and these rare metals that are used in batteries is a very small percentage of the actual battery having said that a lot of those uh, rare cobalt lithium and all these rare metals are sometimes mined in areas that are not great the, th the good thing about this is the OEMs and the manufacturers for cars have realized this. They're signing agreements to have their rare materials sourced from areas that don't have these problems. And I think it was the same with diamonds. When you had this term blood diamond coming in, there are two separate pushes that are going on. One that addresses the fact that all mining is fair and it's uh, done in an ethical way. And the other one is developments to not use these kind of batteries in the future. And I think Tesla is already talking about a zero cobalt, I think, battery. So they will not be using these. Currently, it might be a little bit problematic, but it's already being solved out. So now manufacturers are getting very good at recycling these batteries as well. Yeah, that so was my next question. All of, all of the components can actually be recycled, which is great. Uh, which uh, There's a few facilities in the world, one in Europe, which will take lithium batteries, break them down to components, and then be able to actually use them again. You know, like you use the components again. And now the factories are even being uh, powered by solar. So with the Porsche Taycan that you mentioned, um, Porsche now has a fully solar-powered factory, which is really brilliant, yeah. Um, and the BMW i3 is a fully 
almost everything in that car can be reused. It's lovely to see these changes happen in an industry that normally doesn't care at all about anything, but now they're going, they're realizing they have to go full in. Vivera has an interesting approach to help people and communities think about electric vehicles, and I really look forward to hopefully joining them on one of their EV drives soon. You can find out more about what they do by visiting ivera.ae or looking for Ivera on social media. And of course, you can reach out to us at Boombook. And we'll see you next week with an old new episode of Forward Talks. Bye-bye.